Welcome to Renovate, the young adult ministry of Christ Chapel Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We are for all young adults. Whether you're far from God or walking close to Him, we believe that our God fully knows us and fully loves us. So instead of leaving us as He finds us, He is constantly and graciously renovating our lives so we can look more like Him. Enjoy this week's message. Amen. Praise God. Thank you all so much. Um, That is sweet. Our God is holy and he is compassionate and he is kind. And we have so much to look forward to uh, for those who follow him. Uh, We love that you're here. We do. We love that you're here. My name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, You guys doing okay? Yes. Look at the vocalness of this room. I love it. Um, What we're going to talk about is we're kicking off a series um, that we're going to preach each Wednesday of the month uh, this semester from now uh, through May. And really it's going to dive into some specific beliefs uh, and really what we believe and and really taking a look at why we believe that. And one of the reasons that that came up I want to share is um, there's people who believe crazy stuff, right? There's crazy beliefs out there in the world. Um, and there's crazy beliefs in pews, in churches all over uh, the world. And so what we want to do is examine that and just kind of be honest with ourselves. Uh, a friend of mine, another pastor here, his name is Matt Lance. He, he showed me this article uh, about a Florida man um, that I'm going to read to you. And you're going to get a glimpse of just some of the crazy stuff people believe. So this, is, uh, this was printed in a, a news article. I'm not sure where exactly. Um, but this is what it says. True story. A couple in Florida, obviously it's Florida. A couple in Florida, Tito and Amanda Watts were arrested a few days ago for selling golden tickets to heaven to hundreds of people. They sold the tickets on the street for $99.99 per ticket. Told buyers the tickets were made from solid gold and that each ticket reserved the buyer a spot in heaven. Simply present the ticket at the pearly gates and you are in. Tito Watts said in his police statement, this is one of my favorite parts, I do not care what the police say. The tickets are solid gold. And it was Jesus who gave them to me behind the KFC and told me to sell them so I could get me some money to go to outer space. He also said, I met an alien named Stevie who said, I got to get the cash together. And if I got that cash together, he would take me and my wife on his flying saucer to his planet that is made entirely of drugs. You should, he continues, wait, he says more. You should arrest Jesus because he is the one who gave me the golden ticket. I'm willing to wear a wire and set him up, is the quote. Luckily, they got her statement too. In her police statement, Amanda, Amanda Watts said, we just wanted to leave earth and go to space and do drugs. I didn't do anything. Tito sold the golden tickets to heaven. I just watched. Police said they confiscated over $10,000 in cash, drug paraphernalia, and a baby alligator. First of all, they sold hundreds of those somehow. Um, People believe crazy stuff, right? People believe crazy stuff. We believe our God showed up in the person of Jesus Christ, took on human flesh, And that our God then lived a sinless life and was executed by the Roman government and then rose from the dead. And now for those who are in Christ, who put their faith in Christ and who follow Christ, um, he sits in heaven and intercedes for his people. 
who put their faith. That's what we believe. We believe this book. Um, here in this ministry, we, we believe that this is true. And yet what, what we started wrestling with, even as a ministry and as a staff, and even in my heart is, you know, why do we believe some of the things we do? And also the idea of doubts becoming these paralyzing things that somewhere along the way, it seems like if you want to fit in, if you want to be a part of a community, then it's almost not okay to ask questions. It's not okay to have doubts. It's not okay to be like, well, wait, why do we believe that? I understand everyone does. Then we sing these songs, but where does that come from and why? And we think there's really, really good answers to that. We believe in the God of the universe who through Christ and through Christ only has paved a way for us to have abundant life if we walk with Christ. That we have a design built into us that we get abundant life. And that's what we want this ministry to be. That's what we want this place to be. And specifically over this next um, season, we just said, man, let's just go deep into that. Let's make these about hard questions. Let's make them a place where it is safe to ask those questions, where we aren't afraid to say, hey, what is the real, is there science behind this? Is the, are we all just supposed to say, okay, I, I need to just look the other way and believe and, and wrestle with those hard questions. Um, my story uh, is one where I grew up in a Christian home and incredible parents and they loved the Lord and um, grew up in the church. Uh, they believed what, what most of what we believe. Um, and so I, I followed Christ. I had a relationship with Jesus at a young age. And when I was 18, I was living overseas and I was doing ministry overseas. And I remember just interacting in just completely different worldviews. And as an 18 year old who had a personal relationship with Christ, but hadn't ever felt like there was a safe place to ask and doubt and question and wonder. I all of a sudden realized as this young adult, man, why do I believe what I believe? Um, and I was around all these people who didn't believe that. That wasn't what their grandparents taught them and their parents taught them and they had completely different worldviews. And it, it really made me think how convenient. Like so much of my testimony is based on this moment where I remember having the thought, how convenient. How convenient that the one way to this abundant life that we talk about just happens to be the way that I was indoctrinated into. And, and for me as a young adult, it became this season of life where I was overseas doing Christian ministry and felt like, man, do I believe any of this? Do I believe the Bible? Do I believe intellectually that I can take the intellectual steps to get there? And I had never asked questions. I'd never done research. And, and it's not just intellectual doubts that we have. It's emotional doubts. And if a God can allow this to happen, do I really believe in that God? Do I really want to believe? Do I really want a relationship with that God? Um, I have doubts about, man, can he really use me in this calling that supposedly we all have if we're in Christ? Everyone who's in Christ has this calling to be an ambassador. And man, what am I doing? And how do, or do I really believe that he's this gracious and kind, forgiving God who knows the wickedness of my heart and still desires me? Do I believe these things? And so tonight is just going to be an examination of why should we have the confidence to ask those questions? And then the rest of these months is going to be, let's dig in one at a time to really hard questions. And we want those to be a blessing to you. We want them to shape the culture of this community, but we want what happens here at Renovate Live to be a tool for you to do ministry. And so they might be questions that you have, and our hope is that they minister to you and that we actually answer hard questions in intelligent ways. But also it could be the people you walk with or coworkers or people in your life that you say, hey man, Wednesday nights once a month, it's not just a show that we put on. It's a tool for you to say, hey, come and hear about hard questions 
and hear good answers and be introduced to a community because we have two choices, right? We have two choices. I can, I can run into doubt in my life and I can run into that doubt and I can flee and I can hide and I can just say, you know what? I, I really like kind of the Christian community thing and I, it's uncomfortable for me to sit on these doubts. So I'm just gonna pretend they aren't there and I'm gonna look the other way and I'm just gonna swallow it and say, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. And so we hide and we suppress those or we run towards them boldly and say, man, if this God really is who he said he is, then this is more than just a fairy tale that we're told to believe. Um, I wanna share tonight three stories of doubt and they're kind of uh, seismically different um, in, the, in the character of the doubts. Um, and they're all stories from the Old Testament. And the first is the story of Job. They're all relatively popular characters in the Old Testament. And Job, if you're familiar with that story, was a guy who loved the Lord. He loved God. He pursued God. Uh, he did everything that he was supposed to do. He was one of the most faithful men in history at the time. And in the story of Job, uh, we see the devil show up and say, hey, that guy loves you, but I bet if I strip everything from him, if he loses his, his home and his kids and his wealth and his health, then he will abandon you. And so God, in the story of Job, allows Satan to, to put Job through immense suffering. I mean, he, he loses um, he, all of his wealth. He loses his house. His house collapses on his kids. He loses his children. I mean, he ends up sitting around a campfire with his friends, contemplating, asking questions, deeply in doubt, covered in boils. He loses his health. He, he hurts. His literal physical skin hurts. Immense suffering. Immense suffering that wasn't just circumstances. It was suffering that biblically we've got to do something with if you believe the Bible, because God allowed it to happen. And he sits there in his lowest point, and all of his friends are saying, this is ridiculous. You shouldn't believe this God. You shouldn't follow this God. This God does not love you or care about you clearly. Run, flee, stop even trying to engage this God that clearly is punishing you. And, and he's getting all this bad advice and he's surrounded by these peers with horrible advice. And yet in that moment, Job, in this low moment of complete suffering, Job chapter 13, verse 15. This is what Job's response says. And it's so profound. And I want you to be encouraged by it. This is what Job says. He says, though he slay me, talking about his God, though he slay me, I will hope in him. Yet I will argue my ways to his face. And I think that one verse, verse 15 in, in chapter 13, they have a dialogue that lasts for, for chapters and chapters. But that one verse, I think, really articulates, and I hope if you find yourself in a place where you have doubts, that, man, do I really understand his ways? I don't know that I understand God's ways. I don't know that I agree with them. I don't know why he would do this. I don't know why he would allow this. Maybe you have intellectual questions and objections, or maybe you just have seen suffering in ways that you just say, man, I just can't get on board with that fully. Or sure, when you're here in the room and the music is going, or maybe you know people who wouldn't walk into this room because they think, I know what happened to my life. I know what happened to me. I know what happened to people I love. And so I don't want to worship a God that would allow that to happen. And look at Job. This is biblical. Look at his response. Though you slay me, I will hope in him. And Job has this unbelievable gift of faith that even in the midst of being slayed by God, he says, I will hope in him. But look at this really important word here. And then he says, yet 
yet I will argue my ways to his face. And I love that. I love that the verse doesn't just end in, although I'm going through hard stuff, I'm just gonna believe and I'm just gonna suck it up and I'm just gonna have hope. He says, I'm gonna have hope because I know this God, but also I'm gonna stink and argue with him. I'm gonna wrestle with him. I'm gonna go to him and say, what in the world are you doing? And that's what Job does over and over again. And he gets eventually this amazingly compassionate answer and perspective that we'll, we'll talk, we'll zoom in on, on specifically the problem of pain and the problem of suffering um, in one of our months and just zoom in on that one topic. But what I want you to hear tonight is that if you came into this room or know somebody or you're watching this and you've got doubts of following God because you've seen suffering, my hope, my encouragement is that this can be a community where you say, okay, this sucks this hurts, this doesn't seem right, but I'm gonna at least have enough hope to argue with you, God. I'm gonna take my doubts to God rather than run and hide. Second way we see doubt happen um, is in the story of Moses. And the story of Moses in the Exodus is uh, amazing. And it's amazing in the history of Israel how God uses Moses, but the Israelites were God's kids, right? They were God's people. They were captive, right? The entire Israelite people were slaves to Pharaoh and and they were building his temples and building um, his empire for him. And Moses shows up and has no business being the savior of the Israelite people. But God says, hey, I'm gonna use you. I'm gonna use you to go and to stand toe to toe with the leader of the the largest and most powerful nation in history at that time and set his entire slave army free. And so God approaches Moses with this, not a proposition, a command. And, and look at the doubt that happens. It's not an intellectual doubt. It's not even a doubt that's rooted in suffering. It's a doubt that's rooted in self-doubt, right? It's this self-doubt of saying, what in the world do I have any business doing? Look what he says in Exodus chapter three, after God commands Moses to do this and asks Moses and tells him in verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children out of Egypt? Look at me. Why in the world would I do that? We see this very well articulated self-doubt. And then in verse 12, he said, God, God's response, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain, the mountain that he had um, approached him with in this conversation. So I love this because what's happening is Moses shows up with self-doubt. And where does he bring his doubt? Where does Moses bring his doubt? He brings his doubt to God. He, He doesn't get called by God and then say, oh gosh, that is not the right job for me. And I'm gonna back away and I'm gonna run and I'm gonna flee and I'm gonna hide this. Moses steps into his conversation with God. He goes back and forth with God here and brings his doubt to God. That's the posture. That's the posture we're called to do. He does it later in chapter four. But Moses, in verse 10 of chapter four, but Moses said to the Lord, oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. Moses says, literally, God, you have the wrong guy. I I doubt that you are correct, God. You are wrong. This can't be right. I can't even speak good. And God responds. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? 
Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. I love, I love that God's answer to Moses' doubt and our self-doubt. What am, what am I, what, why would you use me, God? I know my track record. I know my sin. I know my temptation. I know my inadequacies. Maybe I can put on a good mask and fake it, but God, you certainly know I am not worthy of whatever calling it is. And I love that God's response isn't, yes, you are. That's not what God says. No, you're special, Moses, or hey, Ben, you're a swell. No, he says, you're right. You you are not, right? He, He doesn't say, no, you're good at speaking. And I think you're a great leader. He says, yes, you aren't worthy, but I will be with you. The answer to Moses' self-doubt wasn't just more self-esteem. The answer to Moses' self-doubt was more of Christ, more of God, more of the all-powerful God who says, I'm not going to let you fail because this is about me, not about you. And so if that's you, right? If that's this category of doubt that you find yourself in, right? You hear about even leadership, like what Brooke talked about. And it's one of my favorite things that um, I think has happened over the last few years with Renovate is watching as a ministry and as a community, all of the hard things and all the things that honestly we grieve about with, with ministry and, and specifically with community and how hard the last couple of years have been and what we've lost and, and all kinds of things that are hard. But one of my favorite things has been to watch God rally around deep community again and, and getting a smaller group of people who would gather around tables and be known and really dig in. And not just so that we can feed each other and, and be smarter and have more Bible knowledge, but what those Wednesday nights that Brooke talked about are about, and this isn't a pitch for them, this is just an illustration. Um, what those about is, a, is about, hey, we wanna equip you so that you can go do ministry, so that you can go be the ambassador, be the evangelist, be the disciple maker that you are gonna be held accountable to. You're gonna stand before God and God will say, great, awesome, I love you. If you're in Christ, you're mine. What did you do with your life? Were you an ambassador for me? And so that's what those are about. And the self-doubt that creeps in in all of us, when all of a sudden it says, hey, you go from being a spectator to you're now in the game. Go, you have a calling. There's massive and debilitating doubt. That when we get to those forks in a road of, God, am I gonna be obedient and have some hard conversations or, or, or deny myself of certain things because I wanna bring you glory. Or when I get to those forks in the road, there's these massive doubts of, do I really believe? And so much of it is really, do I really believe that I can do this? And I love, love, love that Moses in his inadequacy took his inadequacy to God. He took his doubts, his self-doubt to God. And let God wrestle with him and drag him kicking and screaming um, to be the savior of the Israelite people in that point in history. Um, so maybe there is doubt for you of man, intellectual doubt or, or doubt that um, drives you towards a disbelief because of suffering. Maybe there's doubt that's more of a self-doubt or maybe the third kind of doubt and the last story I wanna tell is um, a category of doubt that I struggle with that I think everyone in this room, if they're, honest struggles with, and that's a doubt. I doubt that he's gonna really forgive me. Um, And the idea of shame and the idea of um, a God who loves me and and makes me new and makes me clean and forgives my sins, I, I love singing about that God. 
I mean, I love singing about a God who, who takes something that's broken and fixes it. I love singing about a God who makes all things new and, and forgives all of our sins and, and unleashes all of the chains from us. And then I look at my life and I think, but God, not me, not me. Where I've been, what I do, what I struggle with, surely not me. And I think we find ourselves in seasons where it's not just self-doubt, I can't go do it, not just intellectual doubt, it's, God, I don't know that you're really gonna forgive me. And so at this point, I'm so far gone. And if that's you tonight or you're watching, I love that you're here, I love that you're watching. And so many of us, if that's not our story now, we can relate to a time where that was and we know people who are in that place now. We have people that God put in our life who are far from God, not because of just intellectual doubts, although they might say it's that. It's because they know the lifestyle that they've lived and they feel conviction and they feel so far from God and they just think it's impossible to get back there. David, King David was a man after God's own heart, right? a man after God's own heart. And, and King David blew it. I mean, he blew it. I mean, this is the writer of, of most of the Psalms, um, I mean, he was a worship leader. He was the king of God's nation. Um, he saw a woman bathing and said, I want her. And through a series of events, he had that woman's husband murdered because he slept with her. He got her pregnant. He, he gets found out in his sin. I mean, for a king, for a supposedly holy king to do that, I mean, he was found out and his sin was exposed not only adultery and lust and, and all, but murder and deceit and hiding it, and it's all exposed. And we see that level of just brokenness, just blowing it. We see David take that level of shame. God could never forgive me. He asked me to be here, and I totally blew it. He takes that shame and he takes that doubt and he takes it to God. So often we, our shame drives us and we say, I don't want to approach God. Here I go again, asking forgiveness for the hundredth time. I probably don't even really mean it because here I am again, struggling with the same thing. David stayed consistent and he brought his shame and he brought his doubt. And he, can you even forgive me? I don't deserve forgiveness. He brought it to God. It's Psalm 51. Psalm 51, David wrote um, after his sin had been found out. It's one of my favorite Psalms because I think I can relate to it as a sinner. Um, and I can relate to the brokenness there. And I, I want that brokenness. I want more of that. I want a broken and contrite spirit. Look, listen to just parts of what David said. And I'd really encourage you to spend some time in Psalm 51 if you haven't ever. But let me just show you some snapshots. Verse four um, David says, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. It's this humble acknowledgement. I don't deserve you. I've sinned against you so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. You can wipe me off the face of the earth and you would be justified in that because I deserve it. I've sinned against a holy God and I deserve it. And we see this humility and we see this brokenness in David approaching his God saying, I don't see how you could forgive me. I don't deserve it. And then verse 12, he also simultaneously in the same Psalm asks, all throughout Psalm 51, asks for these big, bold, life-changing gifts. Verse 12, he articulates it, restore to me the joy of your salvation 
and uphold me with a willing spirit. I don't deserve it. But God, take me back. And not just take me back. Not just take me back as a girlfriend who broke your heart and you're gonna take me back with distrust, but restore to me the joy of your salvation. What it was like when I first got saved, when you rescued me, those times that David experienced that, restore to me that joy in the midst of his shame and doubt. He goes to the Lord and he asks boldly to this God, God, would you restore joy to me? Because it is so far gone and it's my fault that it's gone. And in verse 16 and 17, he says, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. If there is a category of doubt that you find yourself where you feel stuck in doubt that he will forgive you, I don't think he's ever gonna forgive. I don't think he's ever gonna take me back. Our hope is that this is a community, that this is the next year where we explore all those categories, dig in together. And and it's not gonna be in this room that we give you the right answers. It's gonna be urging you to then pursue those things, to ask good questions, to seek good, intelligent answers that are honest and biblical and true and authoritative and ultimately what we believe life-changing. I've got two boys, they're so awesome. Um, Charlie and Miles. Charlie's eight now, um, and Miles is five. Uh, so Christmas is so fun at our house. Um, they're just, everything is fun. Everything is magical. Um, there is nothing my boys couldn't ask me, no doubt they could bring, no embarrassment they could have that I wouldn't, as a father, be so proud to meet them in and help them with and encourage them with and speak truth into. And I know that's a thing that people say like, oh man, you have kids and it changes you. And that's eye rolling, I'm sure for, for many of you and I don't blame you, but it's so true. Man, a, a father's heart is this heart that says, man, I, my kids are hurting. I want them to come to me. If my kids doubt, I want them to bring those doubts. If my kid doubts that I love him, I wanna know that and I wanna weep with him and I wanna apologize and I wanna grieve with him and I wanna help restore the joy of what should be a father's love. And I'm a very imperfect father. And I think so many of us have very imperfect fathers or father figures where that wasn't the posture we got. If we had doubts, if we had frustrations, if we had hurt, you don't take them to the source. You don't bring those up. If somebody hurts you, no, 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 no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put them over there and I'm gonna stay here. If I don't believe somebody or trust somebody, well, I'm not gonna approach them with my distrust. I'm gonna withdraw. And what that does is it just festers weeds in my heart. And when we do that with God, we look up and we think, man, we're in a, in a desert, we're in a wilderness. Our God has this heart of a father. Um, the Israelite people, Moses, spoiler alert, he gets them free. Yay, they get out. They go through the Red Sea. Um, They get into the wilderness. They disobey God time and time again. They complain and God's people, his kids are wandering around the wilderness. Finally, he leads them out of the wilderness and they're, they're grumbling and they're complaining and they're backsliding and they're doubting left and right. And this God is just so patient with them. And he gets them to the edge of the promised land and they get there and it's the land that this God who's been so faithful all along says, this is it, this is your new home. This is my plan for you. And they say, oh, those guys look, strong and big and mean. I don't think we can take that land. 
And then they cower back and they're afraid. Look at in Deuteronomy 1, 29 through 31. Look what God says. God says this to, to their doubts of we can't keep doing this, God. We, we can't take this next step that you're asking us to take. Then I said to you, do not be in dread or afraid of them. Talking about the enemies in the land they're supposed to conquer. Verse 30, the Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. They are scared, they are doubting, and God in his unbelievable patience and kindness says, I'm your father. I have been carrying you and I will carry you. You have fears, you have doubts. Some of those are just really intelligent doubts that we need to wrestle with. And you need a safe place to say, why do I, do I believe the Bible's authoritative? Do I believe Jesus is the exclusive way to God? Do I believe God can still be good when I look at the amount of suffering? Those are all good questions that have good answers that shouldn't just be, I don't know, just believe and sing louder. They're good intellectual questions. There's good questions for the emotional doubts we have, the spiritual doubts we have. And we wanna be a community that says, let's step into those. Imperfect as we are a community. Imperfect as our sermons and our resources and our community and our leadership and our building. Let's step into those though. Let's approach this God as a father. He is a father. And if you have a poor vision of what that is or a poor mold of what that is, I grieve for that. So reshape it by being here and seeing the heart of a father, a heart of a perfect father who says, I have been carrying you and I will continue to carry you. Will you trust me? Or will you just wander back into the wilderness and be stuck there for another 40 years? Even if you're not sure you like him, this God we talk about, even if you're not sure you believe him, even if you're not sure he likes you, our hope is that we as a community say, keep going to him with those doubts. Um, what's at stake is life and life abundant. And we want that for you. I want that for myself. Would we be people who run towards God with our doubts, towards a good father who loves us? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for how you love us, God. Thank you that you are a God. You are a father who is truly compassionate. And those words lose meaning. I feel like so often in, in church settings, we throw around words like compassion and grace and kindness so often. And God, I pray that in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would shape our hearts. You would give us the confidence not to pretend we don't have doubts, not to pretend we don't doubt ourselves or doubt your grace or doubt your existence even, but God, that you'd give us confidence to approach you as a father with those things. Would that be what marks our relationship with you? Not that we have the answers, not that we have a confidence and a swagger with which we, um, with which we project our Christian faith, but that we have a relationship with a God that no matter what, no matter how low, no matter how distant we are, we run to you. God, would you do that work that only you can do by the power of the Holy Spirit in this room, in our lives, in our hearts over the next year. And, and, and then mature us for your glory 
In the name of Jesus, amen. We hope today's message was impactful and God used it to be part of the transforming work he wants to do in your life. Look, our desire is that this isn't just a resource you would listen to, but that this is really a community you would belong to. If you have any further questions, you just want to talk or need prayer, reach out to us. Our contact info is on the website, renovateftw.org, or connect with us on our social media, at RenovateFTW, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you again soon.